I'm trying a new thing this morning. I got an iPad and I'm not using paper, so we're going to try something new here together. Uh, but I'm just delighted to be with you all today. I'm glad of this friendship that God has produced between me and Essen, and I'm just so happy to be over on this side of the mountain. Uh, he shared a little bit of my story, and I'll be sharing more of it, but before we do anything else, I want to hear God's Word. I want to read God's Word. So I'm going to read this passage to you, and this passage was chosen because this is where you all are, in Romans. And although we're talking about race and reconciliation and all of those things, we are actually going through a series. And I say we are because I'm with you all today. Uh, we are going through a series in Romans. I was listening to Kyle's sermon uh, just this morning. So I would know where we all are. And I want to tell you, I'm just getting in the middle. One verse from Kyle's sermon, one verse from Essen's sermon. And hopefully we'll get through all of Romans uh, today, since I only have one day to be with you all uh, in Romans. But with that being said, I'm going to read this scripture and pray. The Spirit himself bears witness. Oh, I'm sorry. We stand for the reading of God's word here. I like that. We do that back at my home church. And uh, there we go. Stand for the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Verse 17, I'm sorry. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glory. God, we know you are holy, you are righteous, you are mighty, you are kind. You look down upon creation and you give us Jesus, who comes, who lives, who dies, who is risen who's seated at your right hand. God, you give us that spirit who comes and comforts us, who convicts us, who calls unto you. And God, we ask right now that that spirit would come. God, I felt it in this place, and I ask right now that you would allow me to decrease and you to increase, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that the words that I have to say would be pleasing unto you, that your people would receive a harvest one that you have prepared for them. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Before I begin to give my understanding and offer a few points of application, I just want to thank God for his son and his spirit. They are my best friends, and they are here with me now, and I felt them in the songs, in the prayers, in the conversations, in the fellowship. I've enjoyed my interaction here, and I've only been here for a little while now. And I can tell you that out of all of the things that we do, it's only what we do for Christ that will last. And I'm so glad that there are people who've gotten up and who've come and decided they want to fellowship together, and I'm part of that community. They, who is the Holy Spirit and God, they are here with us, and they're telling us some things through the Scriptures. They're letting us know what it is that we are to be and what it is that we are to do. More than anything, they're telling us that we are to pray, that we are to believe, that we are to trust in God's word. So as we looked at this passage of scripture, I want to ask that we might grow in love, that we might grow in gratitude, 
that we might ask our Savior to be with us this morning. It's going to be a difficult thing for me. I'm always trying to figure out how to preach in what capacity or another. As Essen told you, I come from a Baptist background, and this is a PCA sermon, and we have a time frame. I'm looking at a clock and all of those things. But I want to let you all know that it is just a joy to be able to look at God's Word and to know that people are going through the Bible and looking at passages as opposed to just saying this is here and that's there. So I don't want it to just be a topical sermon and you just figure out how to put it in. Kyle smiles because we had a conversation about a topical sermon. Uh, but I want you all to figure it out, like how this is connected to all of Romans. So Essen told me that you all started and he said something to you about how Paul was writing this book, this letter. Right. And he said to the people in Rome. And I've always thought it was interesting that it was the people in Rome when so many of his epistles are to a church even some to a particular person, but this is the people. And the people of Rome, we all know, historically would have been a very diverse people. Matter of fact, the big deal with Jesus Christ and Christianity was not the fact that it was a God, but the fact that it was only one God. Because there was a bunch of people who believed in a bunch of different gods, and perhaps just like Jews found a great place in Germany right before the Holocaust, perhaps it would have been great to be even a person of African descent in Rome. And you were able to bring your God and do all of these things. And if you had enough money, you weren't a slave. And now we are reading this passage to these people who may have broken free from all of the bondage of whatever systems that they were. And now they're free and Roman. And Paul is telling them that there's something better than this freedom that you have. This peace of Rome, there's something so much greater, so much better than that. And that's what motivates me to come and preach God's word. It also is the reason why I look at race and reconciliation a particular way. It's the reason why this passage in God's word is so much more important than for me to talk about the political times of today. See, when I think about race, I start with Genesis. And when we start with Genesis with race, we're like, there's not there, it's not there, it's not there, it's not there. And when we Follow all the way down. When we talk about race, we have to get to a context that is Western, dealing with the other, a particular group. But when we go to the Bible, we see different people coming together. And those first people are God's chosen people, the Jews. That's what we're talking about, those types of things. So in this passage, I ask that before we get to a context of race, let us understand the Bible. And that is where I'm coming from. God's chosen people, and how he called them to suffer. If I talk about the slavery of African Americans, I got to think about it with respect to God's chosen people. And I got to see Joseph, one man, going into a prison and called to suffer in a particular way, just so 70 some odd people could be called to go to Egypt so they would be saved. Oh, his slavery looked like Freedom for everyone, and it was for about a generation or two. And so many of the times throughout the Bible, as we look and we see suffering or as we see depression, we're looking at it and we can see it from one little angle. And so this passage right here is just one little thing in this big book. I don't have the time to get all of the book. I will try. You, and my grandfather always said, you can't say it all, but I always try. 
But what I want to tell you all today is as we go through this whole big book, we're not just talking about black people and white people in America. And if it sounds like that's the context, please hear. That's not my context. My context is God's word. And we start there, we end there, and everything that we do needs to be connected to it in some way. So I've said enough of that. Although God's word is most important topic of the morning, I'm sure many of you are still trying to figure out who I am and why I'm here. So let's get those two things first off of the table. I am a child of the Most High God, and he is completely sovereign. Uh, I am a brother to everyone in here who is in Christ. These are the reasons why I love coming to the PCA Church, because my pastor, Mike Sherrod, helped me not only understand this great sovereignty of God that I loved, and I always kind of, I was like, I fear him, he's so great, but it was union with Christ. And so I'm so glad that even though I haven't met most of you, that I can say, I am your brother, if you are in Christ. The other thing is, is that if you believe that our Father has raised Jesus from the dead, the power of the resurrection, then his spirit lives in both you and in I. The answer to this second question, why I'm here, is a little more involved. First, because God sent me to tell someone about Christ crucified, to continue the sermon series in Romans, and then in order that reconciliation will have a viewpoint in the Bible. So, today I'm talking about a share in the son's suffering with a particular focus on the gospel and race. This consideration will take two forms. We will examine first how our Father's grace and mercy includes both creation, adoption by the Spirit, a journey full of promises and a requirement of faith. Then we will explore our present and future worth in Christ. How this requires that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is God with us, and we compare everything, everything with what we know, the little that we know about the new heavens and the new earth. It's another great thing about being in the PCA sometimes is that you don't have to act like you know everything about what is going to happen in the future. And that's why we talk about this present thing, because so many of us are waiting for something to happen in the future, but God has given us his spirit right now. And that's what the beauty of this passage is. We want reconciliation, but what has he already done in our hearts? So before we talk about racial reconciliation, I want to help you all to recognize if you and your wife are talking today and you weren't talking a little while ago, yesterday maybe, if y'all had a fight, God is doing some reconciliation. So he knows how to do those things in your heart. So this thing that we're talking about with the GA, with all of it, is not something outside of God's purview. It's not something that he can't do. This is why we're talking about this scripture today. All right, our Father's grace and mercy. Verse 17 begins with the phrase, and if children. And it's easy for us to read over this and look for a bigger point. However, this is a very big if. If children. It's a major work of God. Creation. How much bigger can you get than creation? This is a display of God's awesome power. Out of nothing, God makes, and not just makes, but makes children in his own image, in his own likeness. And none of us can figure it out. None of us can fathom this. I watched Jurassic Park the other day, and they try to say what they would do with dinosaurs. And no matter how much scientists give us this and give us that, we just cannot explain what that first thing was. And God has done that first thing and created all of us. 
in his image and in his likeness. Our father makes a decision to breathe into dust and a man becomes a living soul. This is an act of grace. That's where we start. Grace. Adam did absolutely nothing to deserve life and neither did any of you. That's what our context is this morning. And so even before humankind sinned and became separated from God, they were given charge by loving God. I love seeing the perichoresis, that inner connection between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where you understand that that's what God is. That's also when you understand Jesus Christ coming to earth to be with us, you say that that's what he always knew. And for a little while, he decided to come and be close to us. I mean, I think about Christmas as probably the saddest day for Jesus. Because Jesus is in heaven with the Father, with the Spirit, and he's like, I got to go there? Like, to do that work? We'll still be with you. I know, but like, have you seen those people? You remember what they did? That's why when Jesus talks about Jerusalem, it's like Jerusalem is not always a happy, pretty place. Waynesboro will not always be a happy, pretty place. But that's where God has called us to. So we, we see that this loving God has called us to also be like him and to have dominion over particular things and then to create. So when we say, and if children, then we talk about God creating and we see children. And we act as if it's a small thing. But how many women in the Bible? Oh, however, once sin enters the world, it's not easy. Despite prayers and efforts, Sarah, the mother of Isaac, Rachel, the mother of both Joseph and Benjamin, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, all of those women did not think that if children was such a small statement. They prayed for a long time before they got those kids. And they trusted God, and God made a miracle happen when Sarah was very old, when Elizabeth was old. But that story that we had, that if children, so different than the story of Mary. And the story of Mary is one that I actually relate a whole lot more to. See, and we're talking about intentional creation, the Father's grace and his mercy, that not only did he create, but then there's a situation where he's creating and no one asks. No one prayed. Mary did not say, God, I'm 15, 14, however old. God, please give me this Savior. Let people despise me. Let my husband maybe reject me. God, please, I just want this thing right now. That's not her prayer. And that was not my mother's prayer. My mother was 15 years old when she got pregnant with me. And her mother, who is so very dear to me, told her that she felt like she needed to get an abortion. And that's what they went to do. And if the laws back then in 1987 would have been what they are now, then there would be no DJ preaching this sermon today. So the intentional creation component of it is not always with respect to human beings, but it is always with respect to God. That's what I think about it. I see in the beginning of my story and the beginning of every one of your stories, there's a loving God. Who decided that you would be here today? Even if your mother said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want it. Even if your dad decided to leave. Father's Day is a bittersweet thing, and most American holidays are. Let's not get into Thanksgiving. You know, it's a bittersweet thing. It's like, let's celebrate. But what are we celebrating? Oh, well, my father died. 
Well, my father was never around. Well, my father beat me a lot. I mean, what are we really celebrating on this day? There has to be a greater father. And when we talk about race and reconciliation, our context can not only be the past 300 years, because if we look at only the past 300 years, we get to a group of people who still didn't have God. See, I asked the question, where would Africans be without American slavery? And I asked the question because I wonder, would there be a relationship with God? We have the black church. How do you have the black church without the church? There must be this interaction with God. So when I do my history and I see that most of the sub-Saharan region where they got the slaves were Muslim or they had tribal warfare, and then I look at what's going on in those regions right now, and I see genocide and all of these things, I say, thank God that you allowed someone to do what your son did, which is to leave a good place, the perichoresis, leave the perfect place, maybe, and come and suffer for a little while, a generation or two, or three, or four, or five. And that's the same thing in many of your stories. Maybe you have to go back a thousand years before you find that particular type of suffering with a group of people. But if you can't find it even in your own heritage, read this. You see it in Jesus. That should be the suffering that you connect with more than any other suffering. That's what Paul said. If you consider it not worth comparing, nothing else worth comparing to that relationship, not only that will be revealed in the future, but that you have right now. Jesus Christ died years ago so that we might have this thing. And what is so great is that his spirit did it. He brought many people together. They had many different things. They had all scattered from Jesus. When he went to the cross, there was no one there that called upon him. And then John, he said, mother, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. He talks to John and he comes back many a times after he's risen from the dead and the disciples are all scattered. One time Thomas is not there with them and then they come together. And the Bible says they have all things in common and the Holy Spirit comes. And then 3,000 people are saved. They hear the gospel. All of these things happen and the church goes out and Gentiles and Jews come together. And thousands of years later, here we are trying to figure out how to get black and white and Asian together. And we're saying this is where it is. So if we look at this miracle of intentional creation, the Holy Spirit is saying even when we have not put forth so much effort, so much thought into what we have done, even when our history books say there was not a person who was actually trying to do a great thing for God. There was someone who was trying to get rich. There was someone who was trying to impoverish someone else. We say that there was a loving and caring God who was doing all of these things. And if children of that spirit this spirit who called Jesus to suffer, then what are we called to do? And Paul says we're called to suffer, provided we suffer. We have to suffer like Christ. So the journey to internal heritage, Romans 4 says, 14, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The faith of Abraham 
to leave his father's home and to go to trust God in situations that were very difficult, to suffer, then heirs with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ to leave a great place. This is what the faith is. It is not just to do nice things. It is to do the difficult, very difficult thing. And the PCA is asking right now, how are we going to do this difficult thing of making restitutions, of asking for apologies and making all of these statements about what has been done in the past? This is what the PCA is doing right now. And this is why Essen has asked me to preach. And I'm telling you is that we have the faith that Jesus Christ has given us. And we have been given this spirit that has adopted us into this one family. And that family has to be the thing that we keep pushing. We need you brothers. We need you sisters. We need you all to be connected to this one body and to have that same faith that Abraham had which was not to consider so much about what was in his father's house, but to say, I trust God, no matter where he might lead me, no matter where he might send me. And that's where I am today. So racism is not the hard part, but our present and future worth in Christ is what we must consider. Consider the time. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is all of our story. We need not to harp so much on a particular time in history where someone was sinful, when we all have been sinful. The sad thing about what the PCA is doing now is that they apologize for slavery and not for civil rights. And now they're saying maybe we should say something about civil rights because some of us actually engaged in it. I don't care about the PCA in apologizing about civil rights as much as I care about DJ apologizing for his sins. <laughs> I have a beautiful, loving God, and for 28 years, I have not shown him gratitude. I have not woken up and acted like he was the most beautiful thing in this world. I have not been like Jesus, and that is what is the worst thing about me. So many of the times in my life, however, I've thought it was something else. And that is why we have to see this present and future value in Christ. Because if your mother tells you you're not good, or if someone tells you that you're black and that's not good, or if someone else tells you this and you put all of your faith and your dependence in that, then it's going to be a sad day for you at some point in time. And you might just not know what to do. You might think about suicide. You might run to alcohol or anything else to alleviate that pain. But the only thing that has been a comfort to me has been this present and future hope in Christ to know that the same power that God exerted, not just to save me before I was born, but to raise Christ from the dead. That's what he's doing right now in me. That is what he will do if I confess my sins, if I look to him and ask to him to give me forgiveness. So consider the time and consider that the Holy Spirit is the God with us. So many of the times, and I heard it this morning, that so many of the times we don't think so much about the Holy Spirit. God, I've listened to it a lot, and even if you read things uh, from the Westminster, there's a big portion on God the Father, a nice-sized chunk about Jesus, and this little statement about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is God with us. Jesus Christ said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I do not go away, the Comforter will not come. And then he said, after the comforter comes, greater works you will do than I have done. 
Reconciliation, that's a greater work some of you all will do than I have done. Why? Because it's easy for me to say certain things that I'm saying. It's easy for me to make certain commentaries about African-American slavery to a black person. And some of you might feel the urge to say some of these things with the gospel. Greater works. The Holy Spirit is calling us to preach the gospel. And that's how we're going to become one with another. Essen and I conversation is not, yeah, right, your brother. No, it is the word says. And when we share with one another, it is how the Bible teaches us what it is that we need to know. So when we compare it to God's glory, we see that nothing, nothing on this side compares. It's revealed in resurrection. Romans 6, 4, 5 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 15.7. This is Paul's book to the Romans, a people who are much like us. And he goes through so many of the times to try to push that the Spirit has done this thing, you must rely upon it. The most difficult thing for me when I preach is to rely upon the Holy Spirit. I write a whole lot of things down and I want to say exactly what I wrote on my paper. And I look at people and I say, but it's the Spirit of God that will bring you together. It is the Spirit of God that will make you alive. It is the Spirit of God that is going to help you raise your children, that will help you to learn right from wrong. It is the Spirit of God that will help you to get up and read your Bible or to just have a conversation with God to make him a close friend, to talk to him as if talking to a father. That is what we have with us. That is why I have been asked to come here. But I ask right now that as you all leave, that if you say, if heirs, how is it that Christ is calling you to suffer with that spirit? How is it that you will be like Abraham or like Christ like all of these fathers that we see that have come before us that left great places, comfortable places, that sacrificed their time with their kids, that sacrificed a better paying job, that sacrificed a good apartment in order to live in a bad neighborhood because someone needed it. These are all of the things that we see in the scriptures and if we are really going to talk about doing reconciliation, before we talk about race, we see it with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing just in this body. Look to one another and ask, how is God helping me to help you? How is he giving me that spirit? I ask right now as I pray that he would do this for us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for your spirit that you've given to them and to me. We ask that you would make us alive, that you would give us a share in your son's suffering, that you would allow us to see it revealed in resurrections, how we are now being made alive. God, we ask that you would forgive us of so many sins. More than that, God, we ask that you would prepare us for you. Allow us to be that church, that body that you're coming back for, and allow us to see you face to face. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.